Thrive, flourish, unleash your buried treasure. This is the Exponentially Empowered Podcast with Joel Vine. Through conscious action and authentic self-connection, empower yourself to write your own script. All right, I'm here with the one and only Trinity Moss, who is, I think, the sixth ever alum from Praxis to come on this show, discoverpraxis.com, which is a 12-month apprenticeship program, six months of professional boot camp and six months of apprenticeship as a superior option to college, we'll say, for essentially everybody. Um, they're doing, they're doing great things, launching people's careers, and I'm really excited about that company. And so Trinity is an alum of Praxis. She's a free thinker. She's breaking the mold. She's blogged 300 days straight, and she's not afraid to speak her truth. So Trinity, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So oftentimes in our culture, we say when we meet somebody new, we ask them, what do you do? And I don't know about you, but that's a pet peeve of mine because it, it it brings up status and titles, and it's not really about true identity. You know, what makes you an interesting, unique human? So rather than asking Trinity, what do you do? I'm gonna ask Trinity, who are you? Oh, wow. Um, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, I would say, I guess, a few things that you should know about me that I love philosophy and debating. I love ideas, um, putting ideas into play. That's pretty much like what I try to do every day is to think about ideas, create ideas. And that's honestly, I have so much joy in that. So uh, that's probably the main thing. Nice. And do you have any, ex extending off of that, do you have any sort of projects going on at the moment that you're excited about? Um, I'm working on a series of blog posts right now about psychology and some of the misconceptions that I've seen a lot. And one of my biggest passions is philosophy or psychology. So I've seen a lot of misconceptions about what it is and like how it can be misused. But I'm writing a series on like what some of that is and like clarifying how it's actually useful to most people. Awesome. I'm, I'm right on there with you with philosophy, psychology. I know you are interested in economics. And mm -hmm. it's, what's fascinating about mm -hmm. this is that these things, these start with one interest and then they lead into the next interest. Yeah. Right? It wasn't like you, you woke up and, you know, a couple of years ago and you're like, oh, all of a sudden I'm interested in philosophy, psychology, and economics. I'm mm -hmm. sure all those came first. And, and then eventually one grew out of that. Like right now I'm reading this book, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt and really excellent and really clear but if you had asked me five six seven years ago if i would be interested to read that i would be like i would be like no economics is not that interesting i don't know much about it but i don't really have an interest in it probably it was in the typical mindset of a lot of people uh, it kind of seems overwhelming or whatever the case may be but i was interested in philosophy psychology and eventually that curiosity led to an interest in economics so 
let's, well, let's, let's dive into those, those, like what, which one came first for you? Uh, actually, I believe it was economics and it was the same book that you're reading oh, now nice. that kind of triggered all that. Yeah. So one of the things I loved about that was that, well, with economics and in that book, he specifically talks about the things that are seen and unseen. Yeah. Yeah. That really, that really affected me. And that, that mindset took me and, and I applied that into other areas in other subjects too. And, um, it's really like mind blowing once you see what he's talking about when he's talking about the unseen and that applies to not only just economics, but in multiple different subjects too. I love that. Cause I've been thinking about that exact same concept lately. Cause that's, that is the theme of that book where it's basically what are the secondary costs or secondary effects, unseen costs. So you mm -hmm. could, you could go in so many territories where something like, you know, the welfare state and then whatever the intentions may be, of a particular economic policy. It's so like, well, how does that affect one's ability to, to really flourish? And what are the, what are the, what are the after effects of that? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay, so, so that was a, uh, you start with economics and how long ago was that? Uh, I was probably 14, I think when I read that book and I'm 19 now. So nice. Okay. And then how would you be able to articulate sort of how that, blossomed into the next evolution of curiosity basically because mm -hmm. what i want to hone in on this episode with is the idea of curiosity and self-directed living and how when you start with a little seed a little kindling of an interest these things these things compound these things have better butterfly effects and all of a sudden your mind is full and your in your projects your plates are full and you're having all this fulfillment because you started with one little seedling of curiosity. So I'd be curious to hear more about that evolution for you and the sequence of events sure. or a particular thing that triggered, you know, philosophical element. Yeah. So I, right around that time, I was actually, this is completely related to what you're saying too. I was transitioning from, I was homeschooled, but I was switching into over like getting more into an unschooled kind of mindset, which was really difficult for me. Um, even though I was already homeschooled, it was just a total shift of just taking over my education. So one of the things that I wanted to research and understand more was economics and it was that book. And so that book kind of changed things for me and helped me see that there's just so much more than the surface level of any given subject. Um, so then I kind of dove deep into that. And then like, once you, once you learn how to dive deep into a subject, you, you understand what that process is like. And I tried my best to do that to every subject I was interested in. And <laughs> I remember one time I was talking to a friend of mine um, on my volleyball team at the time. And, and she was like, what? you're unschooled, like, how do you get grades? <laughs> and I, and I told her, um, no, I don't actually get grades. I just, I just study. And, and she's like, what? And, and I was like, yeah, well, one of the biggest things that I've realized through all this is that actually it's not like all the subjects are completely independent. It's that they're all interrelated in some kind of way. And she just 
couldn't even like, you know, understand the concept, which was just really weird to me that she couldn't see that. So then um, as I explained it to her, she was like more interested and more interested. And, but it's that like idea of seeing how the world, like the different areas of the world and how they connect. And um, that's, that's the curiosity that led me to learning more about psychology, more about philosophy and seeing how they kind of overlap in some areas. But ultimately, you know, it's just pursuing what interests you and then you'll kind of develop that on your own. Just out of pure curiosity, was there a certain book for psychology or philosophy that you were led to or multiple books? You started with the, the Hazlitt economics book and then mm -hmm. out of that, any other books that came ab along your journey? Um, some I would recommend. Well, one I actually just very recently read on psychology that I think I kind of wish I had started with. It's called Depth Typology by Mark Hunziker. It's, um, it's deep. It's in the title, but, but it covers pretty much like everything in terms of like the type of psychology that I'm studying. So that's definitely one that has helped me recently, but I kind of wish I started out with too. Um, I've also been reading a lot of, uh, well, at the time too, uh, Carl Jung's books. I love, um, those are interesting. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other specific titles, but. Yeah, I've been meaning to get into Carl Jung. Uh, mm -hmm. That, that kind of reminds me of the, I mean, I, I've, I'm familiar with the, his basic concept of the shadow and I haven't read his books directly, but it, what, what, what's come up for me right now is this idea of what you just said about everything relates to it, to each other. And so, you know, what I've, I've been talking about on the show and I've been studying internal family systems therapy. And that talks about the different parts of self, the different parts of the psyche and how you can communicate with those parts. And, you know, one of those is like the inner child. And without having dived deep into Jung, Carl Jung in particular, mm -hmm. uh, I just imagine that the shadow and the inner child are just basically the same thing uh, with different, you know, a different vocabulary. Um, yeah, it's so fascinating. And I was going to say as well that the, the connection with, again, economics, philosophy, and psychology, it's like, okay, you start thinking about unseen costs, secondary effects in economics, and all that is just activating your mind to try to figure out, make sense of things, what, cause and effect. That's philosophy, right? Like what mm -hmm. exists and then how do those things that exist interact with each other? How does that, exactly. you know, that's just asking questions. And then you start asking more questions about, well, why is it that a lot of people maybe aren't always thinking clearly? Oh, there's emotions. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, there's other influences. <laughs> Uh, that can get in the way of our ability to be rational, right? Mm -hmm. And so that psychology is the interaction of, of those different elements. And yeah, it's, it's really fun to, to watch that curiosity snowball. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the transition from home, homeschool to unschool. And I'm actually, let's go, let's go back a little bit earlier. So talk about maybe the homeschooling experience and your, the, your relationship with curiosity when you maybe had a more structured homeschool experience mm -hmm. and how much were you able to be free to follow curiosity versus was, was, or was it more sort of structured and you didn't get that until you kind of moved into unschooling? 
Oh, yeah. Um, being homeschooled in the more structured sense was definitely more challenging for my curiosity, I would say. There's a story my mom likes to tell that I think is hilarious and I feel kind of bad. But um, when she was teaching me about what money is when I was like five or whatever, she would point out like, oh, okay, so this is a penny. And she'd show me what a penny looks like and it's worth one cent. And here's a dime and it's worth 10 cents and so forth. And I would always ask her, but why? Why? Who said? (laughs) Who said it's 10? Why 10? Why not 11? And I asked her all these questions and drove her nuts. Um... (laughs) But I, I always had a hard time with like certain subjects like math, especially. Um, I didn't really know how to like, I, I guess just, I had curiosity about it, but it always seemed like my curiosity was like not supposed to be there. Like I wasn't supposed to be curious about things. I was just supposed to understand them and accept things for how they were. And I didn't like that. So that's why I struggled with some subjects Um, versus like writing. I always kind of liked, but you know, it was, I didn't really need to do a lot of writing. Um, I was homeschooled. I don't know. (laughs) So yeah. But then as I transitioned over, it, it just completely flipped to where it's like now you're depending on your curiosity versus yeah. your curiosities in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm, I'm, I understand you've done some piano lessons, some electric bass lessons. Mm-hmm. You've gone to dive into photography. Uh, kind of similar to the question I asked about economics, philosophy, psychology, like what, how did that, how did those particular artistic outlets unfold? And I understand you started with some piano lessons and then you found electric bass. Um, was that, we were just talking about this last week on, on the previous episode about forcing kids to take piano lessons and the, the pros and cons of that. And was that more, again, was that more like your parents signed you up and then, and then you started becoming curious about the bass? Yeah, yeah, I was forced to take piano, um, but I remember always feeling that piano was something that I, once I learned how to just do what I wanted with it, I was, I felt so much more free, and so I ended up really loving piano, but then when I was, I think, 12, 12 or 13, I wanted to learn bass because I just thought it was a cool instrument. Um, so that's why my, my grandpa bought me my bass for my birthday and I just studied that on my own. Um, I think I took like a few lessons at the very beginning, but then for the most part, I, I'm self-taught in bass. So. so since we were just talking about this piano lessons topic, I'm curious about mm-hmm. how was that relationship with sort of practicing the piano? How long were you doing those lessons? Did you feel sort of resentment about it or did you I mean I I was the same way like I took piano starting at age six for Mm -hmm. for five or six years and it was just one of those things like you know my mom signed me up and Mm -hmm. you're gonna do piano lessons and it's really a good a good thing to learn early on and develop that musical language the musical literacy skills really early on and I mean as as a, a musician practicing musician now I mean I'm so grateful for the foundation of, of having piano four or five years at that, of that at those ages, um, but it wasn't necessarily all always uh, free flowing curiosity and intrinsic motivation. And I'm curious about your relationship with those piano lessons. 
Yeah, I definitely was not interested for like a good few years. I think I was just kind of like going with the motions like, okay, I'll learn my song this week and, you know, the scales and whatever. Just was not interested. <laughs> um, but then when I was, I don't know how old I, I think I was like 12. Um, I really wanted to learn some more specific songs that were more challenging that I think my teacher and my parents were more like, she's not ready for, but I wanted to do it anyway. And that's when I discovered how much I really enjoyed music and, and you know, so forth. So, yeah. So it came from that inner, inner core of your individuality, basically. Mm -hmm. you had you had the the adults asking you to do piano and you sort of obliged and that maybe brought some value but then you really wanted to learn certain songs and then no one could stop you it sounds like from mm -hmm. from your autodidactic learning of the of the day <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, exactly. no one wants to be forced to do anything i don't think so yeah it's just that basic need you know need for autonomy and need for choice and independence mm -hmm. Uh, okay, so let's flesh out a little bit more the, the homeschool to unschool transition. Mm -hmm. um, was that a similar sort of emergence where you found unschooling on your own and then you just decided and announced that you were going to do unschooling <laughs> to your folks? Or uh, No, not really. My parents were really plugged into certain homeschool communities and their conversations with other parents, like they mm -hmm. heard about unschooling. So then... I, I was going into high school and they pretty much they gave me the option like well you could you could go to public school or you could try the unschooling thing or whatever so I was like okay I'll, I don't want to go to public school so I'll, I'll look into this unschooling thing and it took me like a full year I think to finally grasp the concept of teaching myself mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it was definitely like there was this one book that I definitely recommend. It's called a Thomas Jefferson education. And I was reading the teen version and I had to read that book. I think three times though, before I finally was like, okay, I think I got this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was definitely like a similar thing. Once I finally decided to do it my way and just be confident in like, okay, these are the things I want to learn. This is what I think I'm naturally good at. So I'll start here. And then, you, and then you start to see how things relate and then you gain more confidence to go into the other realms like math where you're not so confident. <laughs> huh? Yeah. That's, that's great that your parents were able to find those resources and philosophies mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and share that with you. And you had that choice. So it's, it sounds like there was that period where, maybe you needed to take some time to to find your balance and to maybe decompress from the more structured homeschool i mean there's another term you probably have heard of as de-schooling mm -hmm. um, which is more referring to going to conventional school and when you have that period when you get out and you decompress and you you find your sense of boredom and then eventually you find your curiosity and then eventually you self-direct your your learning um, was that in retrospect, maybe you didn't realize at the time, but looking back, was that sort of a similar sequence for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly what it was, was that I was so dependent before on like certain structures and that mindset of, okay, I'm gotta, you know, turn in my homework and, you know, I need a certain grade. And it was all about that structure for so long 
that once you once you totally do away with that then it, it's like wow where do i even start like <laughs> who do i go to for you know to tell me what to like you're expecting someone to tell you what to do all the time and then once that's gone and it's completely on you to decide what you're going to learn how you're going to learn it you know and then and then you get all the pressure of wow, my future really depends on this. I've really got to do something about it. Um, so then, yeah, so you have to go through that process of getting out of that mindset before you can do anything. I think people will try to, like, they just expect it to work right away. Yeah. And I've seen that happen where they, they try to, like, take over, even not even in education, but just a certain part of their life where they leave, like, a structure and then they accept, expect it to just work right away without having to do the whole, you know, mindset switch. So that's definitely key, I think. Yeah, and we often assume that, you know, kids need that structure imposed from the adults because, well, if they didn't, then they would go do nothing productive for themselves. They would they would go mess around or waste time. Right. And then it would just be like chaos for the rest of their lives. Um, and that concern is, I think is a, is a result of those adults, uh, haven't quite processed perhaps what happened to them when they were kids, which is most likely they went to school and they didn't have trust given to them to take responsibility for their time to, for their learning. And so the reason those fears and concerns, are there is because we didn't get it as kids. But when we do get it, there's an opportunity to, to capitalize on a sense of agency and sense of, oh, wow, all of a sudden, all of this time is mine. Well, what am I going to do? And then you just organically begin learning uh, skills like time, time management or stru structuring your own day or uh, setting, setting goals and, and opportunity costs, you know, understanding, mm -hmm. okay, I, it's 2 p.m. on Tuesday. And what am I going to do? You know, I can't do two things at once. So all of a sudden you start learning about critical thinking and <laughs> uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, right on. And I so, think for the younger kids too, it's like the, the way that they learn is by playing, by interacting with their environment. And it's not necessary. I mean, I'm not saying that they couldn't learn anything from, the structure given, but it, I just think it's more natural for the kid to learn by interacting with their environment and gaining a sense of like how their mind kind of functions and how they fit into the world. And, and it's not even like a, like a, it, it's not that they, like, I think people will just assume that they're not going to do anything. And I, I don't, I don't think people are wired that way to just want to not do anything. Right, definitely not wired that way. And then it's, it's, the wires are mal kind of malfunction when they don't have their time trusted for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and also it doesn't mean that if you're learning and self-directing your learning, it doesn't mean that you are by yourself necessarily. It doesn't mean that, it, that you're staying at home. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. in, in these times it's more like that, but... Uh, it can mean going out and actively seeking people to guide you and getting in and, you know, apprenticing and, and, uh, you know, finding, finding business owners that you can interview on your podcast or, uh, there's all sorts of interactions and, or finding, um, 
teachers, finding, you know, finding a music teacher or any class, taking a dance class. There's all sorts of structure when you right. seek out something like that. Um, but the, the, the biggest key is, are you seeking it out? Are you choosing it? So, you know, in my vision of education, which I'm guessing you agree is you could have, there's, there's so many, there's are as many um, types of education as there are fingerprints. So you could have a, the sort of traditional structure of sitting, sitting down in, in desks and listening to someone at the, at the, at the head of the room in a very direct way, lecturing. But the, the question is, did the people who are sitting in the desk choose that out, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about how that evolved into your praxis experience. And was that a, a natural evolution as well? Um, did you face pressure to go to college? Did you go to college at all? Um, how did that play out? Well, I took, I t- it's funny cause actually I took a college course in high school, but the first day we, uh, we were to, it was, it was a speech class. So we wrote, uh, speeches on why I'm not even kidding you. Why homeschooling is, um, a disadvantage or I can't remember exactly how the, how it was phrased, but that was literally what we were supposed to talk about. And I was the only homeschooler in the (laughs) class. And so I wrote about the opposite. I did the complete opposite of what we were supposed to do. And I talked about how homeschooling has actually benefited me and, and so forth. <laughs> but yeah, that was my first experience with a college course. So after that, no, I did not go to college. I didn't ever want to. So I just went straight to praxis after high school. And did, did you have pushback from anyone in your life about skipping college? Um, not that I really know of. I'm sure there's people in my life who didn't agree. I didn't really hear or care, <laughs> but my parents were supportive. So, man, that's that's so that's so great. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's funny about that homeschooling essay. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of when I was in sixth grade. Our teacher uh, asked us to write about our dream career, but he was like. Yeah, but you can't write about becoming a professional athlete because that's so unrealistic. And I, I've, I've been teaching for 35 years and only one student ever even made, you know, the minor league baseball team. So I don't want you to choose that. It has to be something realistic. And I, I, went back, I went back home and wrote about how I want to become a major league baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, no, you're not squishing my dreams. That's good. Even, even if it's not realistic. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I think Will Smith said, uh, uh, being realistic is the fastest path to mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, I mean, be, be cognizant of how fiercely competitive it is to become a professional athlete, but there's so much power, right, in, in chasing after what you really want. And that's kind of what we've been talking about is like, what is it that you are excited about? What is it that drives you? And even if you don't achieve that exact aim, you evolve and grow as a person. And then you find the next pursuit and you've learned, you've learned a lot about yourself. You've learned the art of pursuing your passion, pursuing Mm, your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes your ideas of what you want changes and that's okay. Like people, kind of put a pressure I think on 
like teenagers or young people to know exactly what you want to do and that better be what you do and if you don't do it then you know you're a failure or whatever and they may not even realize that they're doing that but that's why I think it's so much easier if you just learn to just like you like you said follow your curiosity because you'll discover like you may not even know what you like to do and you can be in high school and that's fine but your passions might change over time yeah absolutely um all right so let's change gears a little bit and i saw a a post on facebook you had recently that just said question everything mm -hmm. question everything and I, and I, and I like that about what i've seen <laughs> on your on your social and i'm curious about the sort of the sort of conviction you bring to that type of sentiment you know i mean again is it something that you've had any struggle with in terms of being someone who's non basically non non-conforming not willing to just obey or go along with the, the typical narrative and being steadfastly committed to questioning everything and like how like what have been the benefits and the costs of that mm, well first of all i think you hit a point where you just stop caring <laughs> uh I mean, not about questioning everything, but just about the the controversial side of it. Um, and as far as the approach of questioning everything, honestly, I think it's kind of fun, like comparing my ideas to others out there or, you know, picking apart my ideas and seeing if there's anything in there that might be wrong or whatever. I just enjoy that. So, um, but I think every, if everyone was able to do that question everything um and and do it so much that like you learn to like it like people learn to enjoy that and have conversations deep conversations like that i think everything would just be so much more uh like peaceful <laughs> and you know like so many ideas could come out yeah yeah peaceful it would be more peaceful i think it we don't really live in a culture where there's free flowing openness and honesty all over the place. You know, mm -hmm. it's, I've been thinking about this lately. Why is it that speaking truth or speaking honestly, even with friends or this stuff is, is unconventional. This is un, it's uncomfortable too. Why mm -hmm. is it that it seems uncomfortable? And it seems like you're better at it than me than um, in being just like comfortable <laughs> and not, not giving it, not giving a crap what anybody else thinks. Uh, but that's something I have grown up, um, grown through the past two, three, four years and just, just um, announcing this is what's going on for me. And it's, just, it's an act of self-assertiveness and I've come to value um, that self-assertiveness, that self-esteem and that pursuit of truth more than what other people think. But it's really, it's programmed into us, I think, in many levels to, um, to not stand out from the tribe because we, we have a need for connection and community and belonging. And it can be scary. I think it's been scary for every human since the beginning of time. I mean, going back to ancestors and tribes, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't encouraged to question the, 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 the cultural mores of a tribe. You know, you band together and you, 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 you survive and, uh, it's a, it's a continual evolutionary process. Um, 
So yeah, it would, it's, it's certainly thinking, it's certainly something that we as a culture, it would, that's something that we can move towards and it would be, it would be a beautiful world to have openness and honesty and that curiosity, don't you think? Yeah. And I've had that happen too, where like, I, I don't want anyone to think that that side of me is some kind of like aggressive, like, well, I don't care what you think. That's, it's actually yeah. the complete opposite where it's like, well, I know what I believe and I could defend what I believe, but I actually want to hear what you say. Cause maybe there's something there that contradicts what I believe. And maybe like, maybe we can learn from that. Like, it's really more that than it is like, well, I just don't care what people have to say or whatever. It's total opposite. And the two aren't really related in that sense, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think doing what you're doing, I mean, you are in the minority in terms of just being that open and to question things. And I think it's inspiring and people like us who are trying to forge that path, I think can be, we can almost, you know, not in any sort of arrogant way, but just like maybe look at ourselves as pioneers because we, what, what do we want to create? We want to create a peaceful, open, harmonious world where it isn't scary to try to speak truth, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it takes people willing to question, willing to assert self-esteem, assert with self-esteem what, what's really going on for them. And that can be influential to other people and they can, that can be, begin to provide confidence to them that it's okay to say what you actually think. I think there's a, a good amount of that happening in our culture. Um, there, there's, a, there's a good amount of conformity going on. There's a good a lot of obedience going on and a lot of fear where I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm afraid to lose my, my, my friends. Um, but when you start taking a personal empowerment standpoint on it and you realize that, and you, you increase that self-esteem and you realize that you belong intrinsically, right? Like you are by virtue of existing, you, you, you are, you are allowed to exist. You're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to say what you think and you don't need to sacrifice yourself for anybody else. You know, you are worthy of belonging intrinsically. Um, so, you know, kudos to you for, for, for doing that at such a young age. And um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like, do you think that, do you, you know, the, the force, the, the theme in the, the, of the show is exponentially empowered. And it's not only about, it's not only about go focus on your own sphere of control and pursue fulfillment so that you have a better life for yourself. That's a good enough reason. But I also am making the, the assertion that doing that actually changes the world, actually changes the world because you are setting an example. Again, you're setting an example and there's so many ripple effects onto the next generation. Um, I'm just, I'm just curious to kind of, get your thoughts on the idea that personal development, personal growth, personal empowerment, focusing on your own sphere of control. Is that, how do you see that in terms of your relationship to trying to impact the world? Hmm. So I'm not sure I totally understand. So you're saying individuals pursuits of improving themselves and how that actually improves the world. I mean, world. do you think it improves the world or is it just oh. like self-help for the self-help sake? No. Well, yeah. I think, um, all of life is just 
some kind of interaction with either like information or people. It, all it is is just interacting. So if you are working on improving yourself, you're going to influence other people maybe indirectly. Maybe they won't even know or that it's you or you yeah, may not yeah. know. But it's just because all of it is just interaction and reacting to things that if you are working on yourself and you'll also indirectly help others too. But yeah, and it's so hard to measure that, you know, and that's, I think, why people object to it or they don't see it clearly. Uh, you know, the butterfly effect. I think I posted on Twitter yesterday, what's the eighth wonder of the world? The butterfly effect. Like these things, we can't, we can't measure these things. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if there's necessarily a need to measure them. There's not. It's, there's not. It's just like, it's a beautiful thing that when you work on yourself, I mean, just just to be able to, to have a sense of self-esteem and, and self-acceptance, self-empathy, and you, you developing that, you could just be talking to a stranger and by standing there listening and, and providing presence for that person because, mm -hmm. you have, because you have a sense of groundedness in your own body, mind, and heart, all of a sudden that, that, can, have a, an, that can have a tangible impact on that person because they got their needs met to be heard and seen mm -hmm. and em some empathy. Like you don't even have to say anything. You could just be present standing there. And because you are, you are comfortable in your own skin, you just gave a gift to somebody else. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if you were the only person on the planet, would you ever try to improve yourself? Probably not. <laughs> so. That's an interesting question. <laughs> question for another day. Um, well, this has been, this has been great, uh, Trinity. And it's always, I always love trying to spotlight stories of self-directed learners and livers and, and hopefully it can, it can have an impact on the listener who, who's, who's trying to maybe spark that curiosity and derive that fulfillment. And it all comes down to choice and agency. Um, so any, any, uh, last words slash where can people find you if they want to get in touch? Yeah, uh, if you want to check out my blog, it's at trinitymoss.com. And if you would ever like to reach out for anything, um, any advice on like homeschooling, because I know things are getting kind of crazy right now as far as that goes, um, you can email me at trinitymoss at gmail.com. And aside from that, I don't know, follow me on Instagram, trinitymoss. I post a lot of controversial things. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Thanks so much, Trinity. Thank you.